Our, my family has had a uh, rough few uh, months here lately, and um, I would stand here and complain to you about it because I sure like to have a sympathetic ear. Uh, but I need you to I need you to know that I understand that a lot of y'all are having a tough time right now, and I know that. Um, even in this church, there have been uh, the loss of some pretty special people, even special to me, and I've been gone a while. So we know that there's, there's enough sorrow and enough burden to go around. <clears throat> but a day like today has reminded me, maybe it's not done this for you, but it's done it for me, of our Lord's blessings. I just, I mean, I, I, don't take, I won't take the time to recount all the conversations I've had and what else might happen today, but I just saw, uh, we're, I just seen Jerry Collins, he and I run into each other. I just, I, I had, I'm sorry, brother, I ain't thought about you in a long time. <laughs> but the minute I saw his face, I said, man, if it hadn't been for Jerry Collins, I wouldn't be half of the Christian I am today. I mean, that's, that's just a small sample of what I'm talking about. Just those kind of interactions. And then <clears throat> Walton, Karen, Whitman, y'all don't know them. They walked in, they were in the foyer when we got here. We had a tough, like I said, we had a little bit of a tough time here in the last few months and have uh, made some decisions to, to resign from the church that I was pastoring and been pretty discouraging. But then I'm reminded when I saw Walt and Karen standing there that Walt was one of those, the very first person that I was able to lead to the Lord when I became the pastor there at McConnell Road Baptist Church. Amen. Somebody had prayed for him, one of his friends, Daryl, had prayed for him for years. And all I got to do is walk in and sort of pluck the ear of corn off the stalk is all I did. But I, I got to do that. Those are the kind of blessings that the Lord provides to us. So I want to say to you as a church this, this evening, the, I want to say thank you to, for, for me and my family for being the vessels of encouragement. Some of you just by being here have been an encouragement. Others of you have done things to us and said things to us that have been encouraging as well. Certainly want to thank you. Pastor White, thank you for the encouragement that you are to me today and, of course, all throughout. And happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. I, I didn't even know it was your birthday. So I, I, just told, I just told Jerry I ain't thought about him in a while, so I'm sorry about forgetting your birthday. So <clears throat> just lay it all out there. Just lay it all out there. But uh, God is good to us. He is. He has, um, over the last few weeks, I mentioned... During that time, he has taken me back to some thoughts that he had given me many years ago. Tonight, you're going to hear one of those. They were encouragements to me then, and they were necessary for me in the last few months for me to go back to them, to read them, to be reminded of them. And I, I'm assuming, like I said, all God's children's having some problems right now. So I'm going to assume if it helped me, it might help you. So that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to share it with you, try to show you what the Lord has done for me, try to show you what he helped me with. We'll be over in 1 Peter, as I mentioned, chapter 5. We'll be looking in verse 6 is where I'll pick my text up from. So right there in the middle of the chapter. And I'm going to read all the way down to verse 11. So it's a second, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 down to verse 11. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand. Uh, stand with me as I read the Lord's words. As I said this morning, you'll not get more truth tonight than right now as I read to you directly what God has revealed to us in his word. Here's what he says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord? I ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint me so that what is said is an encouragement, is a conviction where necessary, but it is exactly what these people that are under the sound of my voice need to hear, not from me, but from you. Please allow me to be a useful vessel of help to these people. Lord, I pray that your word will come into our hearts and will point out the areas that uh, maybe we've just been feeling sorry for ourselves. Maybe we've been adamantly resistant to your working. Whatever it is, Lord, that, that, that is wrong with us, would you point that out, wake us up, open our eyes, and help us to see the beauty of your grace. I'm asking you to do that for us because, God, we're desperate. We have no other hope apart from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all may be seated. There are two days that will continue to stand out in my mind. I assume for as long as I live, I've got a few more years to live, so we'll see how it works out. But I think these two days will stand out in my mind for a long time. And they are two days that center around my firstborn. Many of y'all that, that know our family, you know Harrison. He's big and ugly these days. He found some, he, he found some poor woman who would uh, uh, agree to marry him. So we'll, we'll see. We've got to get to March, into March to see if that'll work out. But uh, but anyhow, I love my son, proud of him. He's, he's, uh, he's a good boy doing some good work up in, uh, up in Watauga County right now. But um, two days were centered around his life. The first was the day that he was born. That day will ever, forever stand out in my mind. It was a January morning about 20, well, I guess, what is it, 23 years now? 23 years ago. And I was overwhelmed. I think that's the only way I can say it. I was overwhelmed by the love and the pride and the responsibility that I had for this little boy that I, that I saw. And he was, I just, that, oh my goodness, my heart just swelled up. And he was, he always is and still is, <clears throat> a very independent, strong-minded young man, hard-headed, just like his mama. Hard-headed, hard-headed. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's all me, I can tell you that. No, he's a hard-headed fellow. But that night when we brought him home, even though today he's probably, I can only imagine the things that are worrying him, that are weighing his shoulders down. I can only imagine what is on his mind. I will probably get a call on the way home this evening about something he's got on his mind. But all the, every ounce of worry, every ounce of care, every ounce of concern that that little boy had, it wasn't on him that night. It was on me and his mama's shoulders that evening. The second day that'll be forever kind of stamped in my mind will be an August in 2016. 
It's getting further and further behind me now, but when we dropped him off, he went to Appalachian State University. We dropped him off. It was really the first time we had left him for any like length of time of any sort. I mean, he'd been off to camps and things like that, but not for that long. I mean, my goodness. And he's for all intents and purposes. I mean, he's on his own. And we dropped him off that day and we left him there. But that's that same little boy that I laid down in bed at night, laid him in that bed at night, that night. And he wasn't worried about a thing. But what's happening is you'll see, and some of you that have older children and as your children get older, you see more of this. I'm on the front end of this, you understand. So I don't even know half of what y'all know. But you start seeing how this relationship matures, how it develops. And, and, and I hope and pray and I try to tell him, I think he understands. Son, I want you to bring your worries to me. I want to talk to you about them. I want to help you with them. Because I'm never going to stop being that little baby boy's dad. I'm never going to stop hoping for his best. I'm never going to stop praying for him. I'm never going to stop that, even if, and sometimes I have to admit, I may be disappointed by his choices. I might disagree with the direction he's heading. He might not even come to me for help, but I still care about him. Do you understand that? There's at least one or two of y'all that know exactly what I'm talking about, and you feel exactly the same way about your own children. Because I still care, I still love him. And that kind of intense never-ending, always present, always working concern is exactly the kind of love that Peter's trying to tell you that God has for you. Amen. That's what he has. And if I, I'm, I'm a sinful, earthly father, I could probably give you more examples of how I failed my children than how I've helped my children. Yet God is the giver of good gifts. How much, how much better are his gifts than mine? How much better? So what I want to do for just a few minutes out of this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 is give you a command that the Bible has for us, a caution and a comfort. We're just going to look at that here for just a few minutes. Because I want you to take whatever those burdens, those worries, those concerns, those stresses, those, those things that are upsetting you, those things that make you lose sleep at night. I want you to do exactly what the scripture says here and take those things and put them on the broad and capable shoulders of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to encourage you to do. When you leave here tonight, I'm not going to say you're not going to pick it back up when you get to the house, but at least try for a little bit right now to go ahead and put that on his shoulders. That's my encouragement to you tonight. He says in the, the center verse of this passage, one that you're probably familiar with, if you know this passage, is in verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And that is, a, that is a comfort, at least I hope it is to you, knowing that you can do that. But that comfort, you have to understand, is based on the command of verse 6. So don't take verse 7 and just run with that. You've got to start in verse 6. See what he says in verse 6. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. You see, you can cast all of your cares upon him because he is God. Because he is mighty. He has the mighty hand. He is the one that can do anything. We talk a big game sometimes about having faith. But unfortunately, our faith too often is faith in faith. That I have faith. And you say, well, what's your faith in? Well, I'm a man of faith. 
What does that mean? That means I have faith. No, hang on a minute. It means something. What is your faith in? What are you trusting in? What is that thing that you are counting on? And if your, your object of your faith is your own abilities, if the object of your faith is the stability of your job, if the object of your faith is the hope that you have that you've got tomorrow completely planned out, if that is the object of your faith, my goodness, your faith is useless. If on the other hand, if on the other hand, your faith is in the mighty hand of God who orchestrates all of human history, orchestrated everything together so that you not just could be seated here in a church, but that you know that your home is in heaven, that you have a future to look forward to because your blood, your sins have been washed in the blood of the lamb. If that is the God that you're trusting in, I think he can handle it. I think he can handle anything you can throw at him. The problem is that that comfort that is in verse 7 is prevented by the very pride that we all carry around. We don't cast our cares upon him because we want to be exalted. We want to be thought of as well. We want to be lifted up. We want to be put on the pedestal. We want to be exalted. And, and, and I understand it. As much as I could fuss at you for wanting to be exalted, you're kind of a foolish person if you don't want something better. You don't want to advance. I mean, I, I'm, are y'all with me on that? You want, you want to, there's nothing wrong with that, at least that desire. The problem where it becomes wrong and becomes sinful is when you try to accomplish it, when you try to achieve it. Because he says there, you need to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. He is the one that accomplishes this. Because when we try to accomplish it ourselves, we're in the long line of futile players. People like Cain, who were told what to do, how to please the Lord. And they went and said, let me do it my way. I got a better idea. Uh, people like that were building that tower of Babel. You remember that? They tried to build a, a tower, a staircase to heaven. And God said, y'all got this thing wrong. So I'm going to stop this before it gets too far. You see, we cannot exalt ourselves. I remember when Harrison was, was little. He was younger, even Jude is our youngest. He's 11 now. Harrison was younger than that even. From time to time, for various reasons, we'd go on trips. And we'd always have to stay at a hotel that had a swimming pool. Because Harrison liked to get in the swimming pool. Couldn't swim a lick, just so you know. But he liked to be in the water. He just liked to be in the water. And I remember when he was real little, one of his favorite things to do, well, at first he was scared of the water, but then he was kind of scared and he liked the water at the same time. But one of his favorite things to do when he finally got up to enough nerve was he would stand on the edge of the pool and I'm standing in the pool and he would jump into my arms and he just thought that was the greatest thing. And I was fine with it. <clears throat> but if you know anything about most kids, they kind of wear out a good thing after a while and they just keep on doing it. I was like, I'm done with this. Come on, let's be doing it. But he's just jumping and jumping. To the point where there would be times he would just jump continuously and I wouldn't be paying attention. And he'd jump and I'm going, whoa, what's happening? And I turn, try to get him just fast enough. A couple times I jumped, missed him and he'd fall under the water and he'd get all choked up and everything else. But you know what? That boy never stopped jumping in my arms. Do you know why? Because he thought daddy could do anything. Now he could whoop me now. But back then, he thought I, he could, I could just take over the world. He jumped in my arms because he was trusting in me. You see, where we cast our burdens actually shows what we think is powerful and what we think is strong. I, 
I know my audience well enough. I don't know all of you, but I know most of you well enough to know some of y'all are worried about Wednesday. And if you say, well, what's happening Wednesday? That's the 20th. There's an inauguration that's happening on the 20th, and y'all are a little bit worried about who this next president and vice president. And again, y'all don't have to say amen. Y'all, I know. I know y'all are worried about it. <laughs> Somebody ain't worried about it. That's good. The rest of you, rest of you, we know you're worried about it. You're worried about it. But if that is truly a concern, whether you're right or wrong, we can, we can debate that and discuss that one way or the other. But you know, it needs to be cast on the strong and mighty hand of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you are worried that because of the reason you're worried about that is because you're worried about this right or that right that's going to go away or this right that's going to be threatened. Well, if that's really your worry, who are you going to cast on that? Are you going to put your faith in Lord bless us, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party? Is that really going to be your hope? Oh, my goodness. Trust in the mighty hand of God. Some of you are worried about your jobs or the income that you have. I have to invest to you right now uh, because of some moves that I've made right now. I've, I've got to, I'm trusting the Lord for a little bit extra work here. And this thing's going to come together. I'm praying for it. But I'm having to trust the Lord for that thing. Some of y'all are in the same boat that I'm in. Some of you are worried about your health. Some of you are worried about any number of things, maybe even weighted down with your own sin and shame and guilt. But what are you going to do with that? Are you going to sit around, try to solve the problem, fix the situation, and put your hand to the plow and turn it around? If you do that, let me just tell you, you're going to fail. You will not be exalted. You will not get to the next rung on the ladder. That will never happen until unless you trust in the mighty hand of God. You have to understand that God has the power over everything and he cares for you. He invented you. He came up with the idea of you. I don't think his problems are any, pro your problems rather, are any problem for him. Not an issue for him at all. Not going to be an issue at all. I promise you that. that you're so worried about he's already on the case he's already handling them right. look what he says in verse 7 he says casting all your care upon him for because he careth for you the word there careth the idea that it holds is not simply that he has warm wishes for you in his heart that he thinks good thoughts of you that he likes you a whole lot that's not what the idea of the word careth there means it connotes an effective concern. I've used this illustration before and I know I'm talking to Adventists who never watch a movie in your life so you have no idea what I'm talking about but I'm going to go ahead and try it anyway. Y'all seen some of those gangs and the boss, mob boss looks over take care of it. Talking about not go give the guy a kiss, not go love the guy. What is he doing? Fix the problem, address it, deal with it, get it out of the way. That's what he's talking about. That's the concept that is behind the word. He is taking care of it, he is handling it. He is active on your problem, even when you don't even realize that he's handling your problem. He's even handling your problem before you're even worried about your problem. I think some of us are sitting and saying, well, God, did you not see this coming? And I can just promise you, he saw it coming. In fact, depending on exactly what it is, he may have actually said, I need to put this into this man or this woman's life so that this will be the outcome that I need. So don't worry about God being surprised. He's not. Right. 
He's actively involved. He is doing this. He is causing. He is creating. This is the absolute reality of the sovereignty of God in which he works out all things for our good. He works things to those who, for those that love him. He does that for his purpose. You see, God knows what Congress has up their sleeve. He knows stuff they don't even know that they have up their sleeve. When, he said, when it says over in Romans 13, 1, when it says that God ordained the government, those that are rulers, he didn't say he just ordained the ones you liked or the ones you voted for or the ones you voted against. That, that's not what he's saying. He's, he, he's in control of this. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's the one that's calling the shots on my future, where I'm going to go. He's the one calling the shots on your children's future, your grandchildren's future. He's the one that's calling the shots on your finances. You may say, well, I've got it all worked out till I get to retirement and this is going to happen. And you know what? That may well be the way it works, but you know that God is the one that's in control of all those things. You're, he's not helplessly standing by hoping that things work out like he wants them to work out. That's not the way God operates. He's actively working on those things. In fact, the fact that you can cast your cares on him for he careth for you, verse 7. The reason that, he can, that you can say that and say that is because the very things that you're concerned about are the very things that he is already in the process of working on. Because it concerns you, it concerns our Lord. And because it concerns our Lord, Jesus is not in heaven worried about anything. He's on top of it all. And if you understand the connection here, you're concerned about it. The Lord's concerned about it. And if you've got God concerned and working on it, it's, it's a done deal. Just, just, just know that he's on top of it. the mighty hand of God. Remember that he's God. He's in control of all this. You can cast your cares on him because he is already on the case. Now he says there that you need to, in verse 7, cast all of your care upon him. I think you need to not over, uh, overlook that. I think sometimes we can get a, in trouble thinking, well, my problem's too big. I just need to, or, my problem's my fault. I, I say this one a lot. I, I, I messed up here. I made a mistake. I did this. I got to handle this. My mess, my problem, I fix it. It's the way mama taught me to do, and sometimes that works, but most time in this situation, it doesn't work. Don't worry about how big the problem is. Don't worry about how, how little the problem is. Maybe that's another thing some people say. Well, it's just a little problem. It's, it worries me a little bit, but I, it really shouldn't. So I just need to put it out of my mind. No, no. If it worries you, if it concerns you, if it's on your mind, it's something that you need to go ahead and cast on the Lord. Amen. If it's your fault, if it's something somebody else did to you, if it's something that's beyond your control, if it's something that is so big that it is some, so massive you don't even know how to start addressing the problem, but if it's so little and so insignificant, you say, well, nobody else worries doesn't matter what size the problem is all your care needs to be cast on the Lord and there's a reason for that because you know there's a devil out there and what he does he likes to look for the nooks and the crannies to find ways to worm his way into your life and into your heart to get you to be distrusting of the Lord and to take your eyes off of Jesus so that you will do just about anything other than worship the Lord Jesus Christ that's why in verse 8 we're warned to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, the devil is looking for every which way to get in. 
He's looking for every which way to come in and, and create worry and distrust and, and arrogance and anger and frustration in your heart. And some of us, he doesn't have a real hard job because we're already there with him. And he just has to kind of push us over the edge just a little bit, a little temptation. It's all he's got to give us. But you need to understand that you need to cast your cares on the Lord, on him, because he cares for you. But you also need to do it because those worries, those things that you're concerned about, those cares that you have, they will destroy you if you do not. They will absolutely destroy you. You see, your only hope, he says here in verse 9, is you need to resist the devil in faith. And he says, because you've got brothers and sisters around the world that they are doing through the same thing. They're trusting on the same exact person. He's working in the same exact way for every believer that's ever lived, ever will live. This is how God works. You can't handle it on your own. You can only resist it by having faith in Christ. And then in verse 10, he says there that, but, but the great God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, he'll straighten it out for you. He says, you need to pursue the glory of Christ. You're still going to have problems. You're going to suffer. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But if you will, every time that you have anything you can't handle, which by the way should be every day, pretty much every moment of every day, you've got something you can't handle, you take that and you cast it. You just hurl that onto the Lord. You just say, I cannot handle this. I cannot do this. If you will do that, the problem's not going to go away. That's not what the, that's not what the scripture says, that you're going to suffer a while. The problem may still be there, but he says, and the result of that will be, you'll be perfect, you'll be established, you'll be strengthened, and you'll be settled. He's going to make you strong, he's going to make you grounded, and he's going to give you a purpose. He is going to turn you into what he wants you to be, the warrior that he needs you to be, the one who is ready to face whatever that next battle is. And I can tell you, too many of us are sitting over here in a ditch, not able to get anywhere where God wants us because we're sitting over here trying to fix it ourselves. Instead of saying, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. A few years ago, I did something. It was pretty stupid. It was pretty stupid. I have a long list of these things, by the way. So just so you know, this is just one example I can give you. But um, I had a little Chevrolet Aveo. A little car. It's actually a Korean car, if you know anything about it. It's about as simple of a car, mechanically, as they, they make anymore. Nice little car. I loved it. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Ugly, but I enjoyed it. But um, it, it threw one of those uh, check engine lights. Had the fellow check it, and it was, um, he said, yep, the catalytic converter's out. You need to get that replaced. I don't remember the dollars involved here, but I just remember it was a whole lot of money that he wanted to charge me to do that. And I said, I can do this. Now, y'all don't know me well enough to know that is a stupid thing for me to say. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I, I really don't. I really have no clue what I'm talking about. But I figured between YouTube and everything else, I could figure it out. Well, I ordered the part from wherever I ordered the part from. I got the right part. Miraculous, miraculous. I got the right part. Got that card. I even bought um, those, uh, those stands that you jack your car up and set it up on. I, I, I was fancy, man. I was ready to do it. Had it all figured out, got, got that, that old catalytic converter, which was not an easy job. That thing was about rusted in there. I mean, it was just, oh my goodness, it was hard getting it out. But I got it out, I was proud of myself. Got the new one in, it fit like a glove, perfect in every way. Cranked that car up and you'd think I was at a drag race. Thing was so loud and so growly. 
what in the world did I do wrong? Got to talking to somebody and they said, well, did, did, did you have um, that, little, that, little, that little valve in there, that little thing, that, that little cylinder that kind of connects between? I said, what are you talking about? That little ring that's sitting over here? Gasket? He said, yeah, that. I said, well, it's not in there. It's right over here. <laughs> and I said, okay. And so I said, no problem. Just take it out and I'll put the gasket in. Everything will be fine. Well, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And some of you may wince in pain when I say this. But I got to going in there trying to take that thing out. And I had cross-threaded those bolts into that, into that uh, engine. Couldn't move it. I mean, it'd take an atomic bomb with the, with the equipment that I had, you understand. Because I have no idea what I'm doing. I tinkered with that engine for, I think it was about three days. You know why? I'll just, I can confess it now because this is in the past. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to take it to somebody. I was trying to save me a dollar. I was so proud of what I had done. And if I could just make that bolt go just a little bit, I could fix it myself. And I messed with it. I did dangerous things trying to get that thing out of there. I never could. Vanessa finally said to me, she's a wise woman, believe it or not. Yes, she is, Mike Prim. Every count again, she can say a wise thing every now and again. But she said, Matthew, why don't you just take it to the mechanic? They'll fix it just like that. They'll charge you a little bit of money. It won't be a big deal. Just, just do it. And I finally got up the nerve to take that growling machine, ride it a few miles down the road, ask a guy to do it. I think it might have taken him. I mean, it was more about getting in line than it was about him doing the work. I don't think it took him no time to fix the thing. Cost me about as much as it would have if I'd have started off going doing. But anyhow, that's another story altogether. The point was, I ultimately had to depend on the one who could. And had I tried to do that myself, and if I had to continue down that path, the best case scenario is I wouldn't have had a car. <laughs> that's the best case. I might have blown my house up in the process trying to fix the thing. But I, instead of what I did was I allowed that stress to work on me, to weigh me down and to, to work me into the ground. And sometimes we, we don't realize how heavy the stresses of life really are. I don't think we do. I think we can kind of push them off to the side and, and we can say brave things like faith over fear. That's easy to say, but when you got some fear in your heart, that's hard. Because you need somebody to take that fear away from you. You need to give it to somebody who knows how to handle fear. Sometimes you can say, well, you know, you'll get over it. You gotta work it out. But when you're in the middle of it, they don't feel like that. And y'all know that better than I know that. Some of y'all have been through some stuff and you're sitting there saying, I don't feel that way. That's when you gotta take this thing and say, it's destroying me. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to God. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to him. The weight of these worries are going to destroy you. If you're a believer, they'll destroy you by taking away your joyfulness and your usefulness. They will actually make you useless for Almighty God. If you're an unbeliever, one who's never trusted in Jesus Christ, as bad as not having joy and not being useful for the Lord is, the result will be death and destruction. Romans chapter 8 says it this way, that if you live after the flesh... You shall die. If you do what is natural, what your hands want to do, what your heart wants to do, what your mind wants to do to fix all of your problems, it will send you. And you say, well, man, this is, this is a big step, but this is the Bible. It will actually send you to hell. Right. 
you can't fix these problems on your own. It better start by taking those things and saying, all of my sins, all of my worries, all of those things, I'm going to cast them on the Lord Jesus Christ. He has already paid the price for you. Did you know that the worst possible, this is what we worry, this is why we worry. We worry because of the outcome. We're worried about how, what's going to happen. But did you realize that the worst possible thing has already happened? It happened 2,000 years ago. And every sin, every sinful thought, every sinful motive, every sinful inclination that you've ever had and ever will have, and not just you, but the entire human race, it was put on the Lord Jesus Christ on his shoulders. He bore it on Calvary. And he paid for all of it. He bore it already. It's already handled. It's already taken care of. The worst possible thing has already happened why not go ahead and take that thing that's crushing you and say it's already crushed Jesus let me just give it to him here you are Lord it's yours would you take it from me would you take it from me so where does that leave us well I think it leaves us with two choices I think hopefully they're pretty simple and pretty, clean, pretty plain by this point, but let me just point them out to you in case you weren't paying attention. You can keep all your worries. Choice number one. What's behind door number one? You can just keep all your worries. They're all yours. You can work hard for your life's goals. You could be destroyed under them. And if you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be sent to an eternal hell of damnation for those things. And in this life, if you are a believer, you will have uselessness, a Christian life that is useless. You can do, this is behind door number one, you can do that. Door number two, though, is to take those worries, those cares, those things that are hurting you, those things that are dragging you down, and you can humbly follow God's plan, and you can allow the most powerful person in the universe the most powerful person, the one that does not, is not rivaled in any way, the one that is bigger than time and space, the one who created it all, you can allow him to fight your battles. And in the process, you can look the devil in the eye and without any bit of arrogance on your side, without any bit of spite or anything, and you can tell him, shut up, leave me alone. Because God's got this one for me. I'm allowing him to handle this. This is not my work. This is his. I'm inviting you tonight to take that second option. I invite you to throw it on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's to him that we have glory and dominion forever. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Truck your, chuck your troubles on the Lord Jesus Christ. And do it before it destroys you. Cast every one of those troubles on him. On those broad, capable shoulders. He's got it. <laughs> He's not the problem. <laughs> you are. I am. Trust him. I want to ask you to bow your head and pray with me. And then I'll ask Pastor White to come and close out the service as he sees fit. But Lord, I'm going to ask you to... Help us to do what we now, I believe, we know to do from your word. That is to take the things that worry us and trouble us and stress us and strain us, weigh us down, and to hand them over to you. To just throw them in your, your general direction and just walk the other way, allow you to handle it, God. Please help us. 
Lord, it's hard. You know that. You know what we're made of. It's hard for us. Some of us in this room are still grieving over loved ones that we've lost. Some of us in this room and some of us that are watching are still uh, grieving and worried about what tomorrow is going to hold. Some that are in this room and some that are watching, Lord, they are still even struggling with sins that they know are wrong. Things that they know that they need to, to lay down, but they just cannot. They seem to be in the grip of it, Lord. But please help us to take each one of these things that weigh us down, these cares, and put them in your hands. Please, would you bring your Holy Spirit and show us how to do that? That's one thing I've not done, Lord, because I don't know how to tell people how to do this other than just trust you. But please, would your Holy Spirit teach us what to do to hand these things over? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.